Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In today's episode, we welcome back Adam Best. Adam is a program architect from Salesforce, and through the episode, we delve back into the world of Salesforce DevOps, discuss some of the tooling and and understand a bit more about what's happening in this space, and also talk about how potentially people can carve out a career in the DevOps world if they're coming from either a non-technical background or just looking to transition into a new space within Salesforce. So a really interesting insight into the world of DevOps again. Uh, Adam is very, very passionate about this space, so he's a great person to follow if you do have an interest in delivery and the DevOps space. So I hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you do, please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. So Mr. Adam Best, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Ben. This time remotely. So last time we were recording in the Sydney Salesforce office, actually, and this time you've upped and left us and you've moved to sunny Queensland. How's that going? Uh, look, it's going fantastic. I think a lot of people have moved remote and moved in a state, but yeah, Queensland is great. Very lucky to live in Australia. Very lucky to live in sunny Queensland. Yeah, I, I'm very jealous. It's freezing cold in Sydney today, and I'm imagining, I can't see out your window, but I'm imagining blue skies. Well, I'm still with you with the trailblazer jump on there. That's true. That's true. But let's dive into the questions. And some of our our listeners will have heard you on the podcast before, but we've got some different topics to run through today. We're still going to focus around your passion. And I must say, of my years in the Salesforce ecosystem, I'm yet to find anyone as passionate about delivery and DevOps as yourself. So yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself. And and before we go into DevOps, how did you end up working in the Salesforce world? So I started my career in, I guess, the early 2000s in ASP and PHP and open source and a variety of other uh, technologies. And I found myself venturing into the Salesforce industry through a friend who tapped me on the back and said, hey, tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, come look at Salesforce. And I've been very fortunate to be here ever since. It's it's definitely a, a leading vertical of IT. And, and I think true to the platform, it's more about the change and the speed to market that, that gives customers the edge. Sure. So your your first step into the Salesforce world, you, you were coming from a development background. So was that as a developer? Yeah, that's correct. It was initially as a developer, but as I got more into the platform, I realized that a click before code was a guiding principle and I got more into consulting rather than just the development itself. So when did you join the ecosystem? Uh, I think it was around 2008, 2009, about 12, 13 years ago. And I think Visual Force pages were just introduced. Yeah, so lots of innovation since then from Salesforce and the and the uh, platform. So I'll, I'll ask you two questions in one, um, and this one's a big one. So in terms of DevOps, can you tell us more about what DevOps is? But then also, when did DevOps become a thing in the Salesforce world? Mm. Oh, they're two good questions. So DevOps is an organizational capability. I think people, process, and technology all working well together. So uh, DevOps is important because it provides business the agility and speed to get your change out and to get your change out quicker than your competitors, which is going to obviously give you a competitive advantage. So DevOps uh, makes up a, a number of, I guess, components, build, test, 
release, continually improve. And so to get change out quickly, that's why business do focus on DevOps. Now, traditionally, Salesforce has been in a lot of companies, but in a smaller, uh, I guess, capacity. But as, with, with Salesforce being the mission-critical platform for larger enterprise over the last seven to ten years, we have seen an increase in larger-scale transformations which require enterprise-scale build, test and release, and so therefore DevOps has been, I guess, a bigger focus because of the large-scale transformations of these uh, organizations. Sure. Yeah, I mean, from, from my experience, um, having recruited in the Salesforce world for the last six or so years now, it's gradually become more of a talking point. And I'm sure it was happening before I got into this space, but the DevOps buzz terminology and I guess wave of enthusiasm has, has definitely grown over the last few years, probably dating back to when, when we first worked together, when you, you moved into a large digital transformation for one of my clients at the time. Um, and that was really probably when I first heard of DevOps, actually, I think you were probably the first person that exposed me to that world and and gave me the insight. But you were you were very passionate about it back then, and probably before most people were. What gave you that interest in kind of moving from from your traditional Salesforce architect and being kind of broad, or or maybe being a specialist in a product that's kind of cloud focused, to then taking that kind of delivery and DevOps focus into to your work? Yeah, the background technologies that I've been exposed to more of a lift and shift file rather than deployment by APIs, which is what Salesforce is. And so they have quite established uh, followings and uh, DevOps is a part of that. I think with the Salesforce ecosystem, bringing those good practices into the larger transformations when you do need the collaboration, collaboration on code, which is source control, collaboration on IP, which is the documentation, uh, so something like Quip or Confluence. Yeah, so bringing those established processes and, and, and applying those to Salesforce, applying that methodology and culture to the Salesforce transformation as those particular transformations are growing, you know, more than just one team. And as you just alluded to, larger digital transformations, where it is multi-team and multi-stream. And sometimes it's a necessity of those transformations to have you know, mature DevOps to give the business speed, agility, and to reduce risk on production incidents by having good automated testing and other quality checks uh, baked into your CRCD pipeline, uh, which is continuous integration, continuous delivery. But so that you, you'd done that before, before you moved into the Salesforce world. And I guess a lot of people have, right? But we, we still saw uh, back in the early days of DevOps in the Salesforce world, for me, we, we still saw people that, that perhaps even though they'd come from a, a Java development background or things like that, didn't always have that knowledge of delivery or didn't always have the interest perhaps at that point of being a specialist in DevOps. I think that was something I found in the early days was actually people wanted to remain quite broad and didn't want to specialize so was it was it your plan because you saw that kind of that gap opening or, or was it just something you enjoyed doing I, I think I saw that gap uh, there was definitely a gap there and you know naturally if something's missing I want to I want to fix it I want to fill it and I, I had the experience to do that 
but I would I would love to see that gap get smaller and smaller, and I'd like to see it almost as a you know a skill to the developer like Apex is a skill to the developer today, because every team needs it. Whether or not you're a developer or you're or you're an admin, I think every organization will have some surety in DevOps, whether that be using tools or whether that be just processes. Uh, but there does need yeah. to be the maturity to to get change out safely and with some speed. And when you do have scale, then you've got that collaboration and the complexity, the added complexities along with it. Cool. So you're you're now um, a program architect. For for anyone that doesn't know, what what does a program architect do? A program architect is uh, similar to an enterprise architect. We're there to help the Salesforce customer get the best out of their Salesforce investment. And if you've heard about a technical architect, they're deep on on the Salesforce uh, features, and we'll just we'll just help facilitate other conversations across cloud uh, with integrations, security, yeah, and, and those other things. Sure. So, what does a typical day look like for you? I would love to say my hands are on the tools more, uh, but unfortunately, we usually sit in uh, PowerPoint presentations. Yeah, we're literally looking at a, a program and thinking, well, what's the what's the next step to be successful? So whether that's planning out the roadmap, looking at the features, data model, integration, working with various cross-platform teams, maybe cybersecurity or the integration team, whatever it is to uh, to to really make that program successful, will will be doing your role is kind of looking forward and, and looking at what's coming down the line and making sure that company or that client is set up for success across their, their environment yeah absolutely most of the time it's looking forward sometimes it is looking to remediate some technical debt if it if it is a not a greenfield org or a greenfield program but yeah definitely we're we're there to make sure the program is successful and the salesforce platform is successful not just now but in the many years to come. sure so if, if there's someone listening to this thinking actually you know we we haven't thought about this we haven't thought about devops or delivery and we're, we're a salesforce customer or we use the platform or are about to how do you start to implement devops within a team or, or across a program no that's a very good question so i think everyone is doing it has some form of form of devops you know devops is people process and technology all working well together so I think the first thing is leadership. So you need you need someone to lead. Uh, DevOps is not a, a rinse and uh, forget; it's a rinse and repeat. So someone to lead and look at the processes, how we get change out. You know, how big is my team? How do we? How can we collaborate if we need source control? Uh, making sure that everyone is upskilled on source control. Making sure that there are guardrails in place. You're, you're there to support and help the trailblazer. Uh, so that they can get back to building features rather than spending time on on deployments. So so looking at that operating model, the roles and responsibilities, and then the tools required, you know, based on the team size. Do we need source control? Do we need CI/CD? Do we need automated testing? Do we need static code analysis? So that's something like PMD uh, or code scan where you you're scanning the code before unit testing. Yeah, and then once you've decided 
pretty much a solution design for DevOps, then you'll write a plan to uh, implement. And, and DevOps is a journey. You're not going to have everything from day one, but you can, you can work towards, you know, the MVP and then scaling up as your transformation scales up and then scaling back down as you uh, are entering sustainable growth phase of uh, the business transformation. But the most important thing is you've got a plan at the beginning. It, it shouldn't be an afterthought because you'll find common challenges of, of transformations that are having trouble getting that repeatable delivery out to production and multi-team and multi-streaming is because they haven't planned out their DevOps, their people, processes, technology uh, before they started the program. So plan before the developers and the consultants uh, start to build the features. I think um, like a, a common misconception, and maybe this is more my own misconception of DevOps is like I focus on the tools, right? And and I think like focusing on the technology is only part of the challenge. There's, uh, as you say, it's it's there's there's much more to it than just having fancy tools or having um, tools that enable delivery. It's it's the plan and the structure and the people. I'd say I say eighty percent of DevOps is is your uh, people process, and twenty percent is your tooling, and the people. And the process will be supported by the tooling, but uh, obviously the people are the, the most important thing, and and they're your ninety nine percent of the time they're your developer and your admins building the features. Yeah, sure. So um, you've mentioned a couple of things. Um, so you mentioned CI/CD, and also mm -hmm. previously you mentioned that DevOps should and hopefully will become something like Apex. It's a it's something that ha that a developer has in their toolkit. So. Why have we seen CI/CD creeping up more and more often on on job descriptions? And really, is, is it something now every developer in the Salesforce ecosystem should should have some understanding of CI/CD and, and CI/CD tooling? To your, to your first question, I think as the transformations got larger, you know, over the last seven to ten years, uh, and the and the projects have become bigger, then you've you've been looking at your release cadence through environments which is more of a uh, enterprise path of production or enterprise strategy so you you're looking at things like having a system integration testing environment uh, a user acceptance testing a, a staging environment training environment so as you had more environments on the path to production uh, to support those testing phases then you needed to get I guess, uh, a more repeatable deployment of your package. And so with CRCD, it is that it is getting, I guess, the, the repeatable the deployment of your package again and again, using the same scripts and producing most of the time the same result. Uh, the other parts of that successful deployment is, is obviously your target environment. Uh, and that, that plays a big part of a successful deployment as well, and also data. So I think with collaboration, collaboration on code, which is source control, uh, and then as you've got a longer path to production, you needed CICD to give you that repeatability to get that same outcome. So that's why I think CICD has become more relevant in the Salesforce industry, you know, in the last half decade or so. Cool. And the answer to your second question, should everyone understand those 
those tools and concepts. I think I think if you're a delivery lead, if, I think if you're a tech lead, um, then yes, understanding not just the tool, but I guess some guiding principles around a successful delivery. What what makes up a successful delivery? You might have release hygiene, making sure that you have uh, your path to production, your sandbox is locked down, and making sure that your team have the processes uh, and the tools to, to successfully connect to a, a shared path to production or a single release train in order to get that successful uh, repeatable deployment on the path to production. So those skills do involve CICD, what tools are there, you know, what choices do I have, how do I evaluate those tools, what tools are best for our team, all those considerations. And what, what if someone is coming from, like if, if a developer is coming from an environment where they're the only developer, mm-hmm. so they're the only ones committing code, they're the only ones kind of doing any deployment into the Salesforce production org, Going into an environment where they're working with multiple developers, like how, how much of a learning curve is that to pick up these tools? Like is, is that for, for a developer, is that, should that be a relatively straightforward kind of learning curve? I think so. It really um, depends on the, I guess, on the team's documentation. I call it a developer guide. So if they have a, if they have a developer guide that says this is how you commit code uh, and this is where you check it in, and that's screenshot by screenshot, with source control, you don't need to know command line to use source control. There are tools out there such as Source Tree put out by Atlassian, which are free tools, and you can use Source Tree to check out a or clone a repository, check out a branch, and commit code all without using command line. And so it just doesn't restrict it to just developers, but also admins and and they call them de- declarative designers as well. So I think if the if the team has a good onboarding guide with screenshot step-by-step step instructions, then the learning curve shouldn't be that great. I've onboarded 39 developers in a single day. Half of them were offshore and 20 of them didn't know source control. And everyone was checking in code by the end of the week and building their features wow. all without using command line. Yeah, wow. So where does um, Salesforce DX come into all of this? So DX is what's called developer experience. So when someone says Salesforce DX, I think they're just talking about the features for development. They could be the code builder or the schema builder or lightning flows. It could be the IDEs that you're using if you're using Visual Studio Code. Uh, And it could also be the source control tools and the open source tools like Git. So developer experience, DX, Salesforce DX also has uh, what's called the SFDX CLI, command line interface, which you're probably alluding to. And it also has a a couple of uh, infrastructure components to it as well. We have our sandboxes, which we've been using for many, many, many years. And we also have the Scratch org, which is part of a, a package development model. So Salesforce DX uh, encompasses all those particular tools for you to develop, build, and release on the Salesforce platform. Nice. So if someone, because we, I guess you alluded to wanting that gap to get smaller and more people to, to be filling those DevOps specialist positions. And I can tell you now it's very hard. Like when I get a Salesforce DevOps role, it's often uh, the hardest role to fill. And it's one of those ones where you're like, 
really? You, have I really got to go and find another person like this? Because there's so few, few people out there. So in your experience, are DevOps skills transferable? I.e. could someone be coming from a completely non-Salesforce background and come into the ecosystem and pick up the, the tooling and the, well, I guess the people and the processes are, well, maybe the processes are, are different, but the, the technology may be different, right? So what's the, the learning curve for someone that is a DevOps specialist coming into the Salesforce world? I think the first thing to look at is the leadership. So you need to have leadership skills. Uh, you need to be a leader. Uh, you're, you're providing a service to the developers. Uh, you're making sure developers are spending more time on building features than they are releasing features to production. So there are quite a lot of transferable skills coming from other technologies, the, the core CRCD pipeline, the way that you orchestrate um, different tasks uh, on the pipeline, and the way that you do source control and run builds off, off that code or run quality checks over that code. The only difference with the Salesforce ecosystem is you're using this SFDX CLI to deploy. You've got plugins like CodeScanner to run PMD. You might invoke automated testing, although that's probably applicable to all verticals of IT as well as the Salesforce vertical. So it's just understanding the Salesforce, how to deploy using SFDX, the different metadata types and things like what is a sandbox. Um, other technologies may not have that concept of that infrastructure because they might not be cloud technologies. Uh, what is a sandbox? What is a scratch all? So I think DevOps people need from other technologies probably need another 20%, but, uh, but they're going to bring 80% of, of skills they've learned elsewhere to the ecosystem. Nice. And then um, a, a DevOps team or, or people that are involved in DevOps in an in a environment. So um, we often um, think of, of it being a developer skill set. And I know there's certain requirements for scripting and things like that in, in the, the, the different roles. But can you come from an admin background and or even can you come from a, a non-IT background and, uh, and pick up certain elements of, of, um, of DevOps and, and, and tooling and, and, and being effective in this role? And, and what do those different roles look like? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good question. Look, th there are many Salesforce consultants, and I think developers do, that have come from non-technology or non-Salesforce backgrounds. And it just really is, is you know, where, they, where they're passionate about. So I think a DevOps person will have passion for the trailblazer. They'll have passion for uh, providing the business the, the speed and agility. So I think, and for example, uh, military. So uh, if you're ex-military or if you're a veteran, many, many leadership skills and, and other skills to bring to the Salesforce ecosystem. So I don't know if, if you're not from a technology background, uh, it might take you a little bit longer to skill up on those technologies such as CICD, but definitely not source control. So you as a Salesforce consultant or developer, whether you've got one year or, or 10 years industry, if you need to use source control to collaborate on code, then it's very, very easy to skill up. As far as being a DevOps engineer, release engineer, it might help if you do have background of other technologies like bash 
and Python and Node.js and, and some of those other technologies used in other verticals of IT, it'll be an easy road for you to transfer to the Salesforce industry for, for a DevOps role. If you then sure. want to be a Salesforce developer, well, then obviously that's, that's a little bit more of a, a different skill set and you need to, to learn up on the platform and, and security and Apex and LWCs and, and so on and so forth. You made an interesting point there because you said like a release engineer and, you know, we get these roles that are like release managers and then we get like DevOps leads or DevOps manager or DevOps architect. And I find that sometimes uh, like a release manager isn't always the same as a DevOps person. Like they, they are involved in, like they, sometimes they come from more of like a project management background. So what's the difference between a release manager in the in the DevOps sense and a release manager in the project management sense, if there is any difference? Hmm. I think release engineer is more alluding to a delivery lead who is using a tool to release rather than having a script so or or, or, a, or an in-house uh, CICD tool. So if you've got a, a package like Capado or AutoRabbit, so they're two managed packages from ISVs that help with releasing to production. So ALM, Application Lifecycle Management. So it's not just about deployment. It'll be integrated with your story tracking. It's going to invoke your static code analysis. It's going to run your automated testing. So if you've got an application to do that, you, you don't necessarily need the skills in-house to deploy. And so you'll call that person more a release engineer because you're using software to do it. So that's the that's the buy. If you were to build yourself, so you get you use the command line interface and you're going to put your deployment pipeline on your own enterprise tools in-house, it might be a Jenkins or it might be an ADO um, or a bit like a pipeline, uh, then you're going to be programming, coding up your release train. So you're more going, you're probably going to need a, a DevOps engineer or, or, or DevOps tech lead to, uh, to be coding that pipeline. But then um, flipping that question to, to thinking about the admins that will be listening to this, thinking, you know, maybe this is a good career move for me because DevOps skills are in demand and there's a, you know, a gap in the market. Is an admin potentially right for that kind of release management role when there is a, a platform or a tool um, like a Capado or an AutoRabbit they're not then having to do any coding, right? So is that the, the kind of environment that an admin could perform a DevOps role or release role when it's just requiring that that kind of bulk product that sits in between and does the, the programming side of things for them? Look, absolutely, absolutely. You know, if they've got leadership skills and they're passionate about getting that, that deployment out on multiple sandboxes on the path to production and ultimately production itself, you know, with speed and agility, using a tool like that, then definitely an admin can, can be a release engineer uh, and they don't need the, the programming skills to code up a CICD pipeline. I mean, it's all about getting change out for the business in the most efficient and fastest possible way. And sometimes that's with a tool. And, um, and then the final question on, on this whole process, like, is, is it right for every business or, or because I, I mean, I do um, deployments with change sets still, right? And, and, and for me, that's fine because it's just, it's moving very minimal configuration changes into to production from a sandbox. Like that, that is still right 
uh, right, I'm, I'm on the right path there. I don't need to go out and get any tooling or, or bring in a, an architect to do any of that because that works for me. Um, yeah. So is there a certain point where it gets to where actually you need to start taking things a bit more seriously? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, change sets have been there since day one and, and, and it's a beautiful part of the platform and that works for you. And so you've got probably a, a dev sandbox and, and you're going to test in there and then you're going to put that to production. You're getting it out quickly and, and, and that's beautiful. If you started to have a few more developers, uh, then they had their own sandboxes and you were, you were feeling like that the sandboxes were getting old and you weren't syncing and you needed to collaborate more, you would naturally feel that right now is the time to look at some more a more collaborative approach to to that code and if you if you did have larger features that, and you had more sandboxes on the path of production and you needed to deploy a few more times instead of just once that same package then you would naturally want to improve the efficiency of that deployment and that was the same package again and again. So you'd then naturally go down a, a, a tool for, for CICD. So you, you'll feel like you'll naturally look at your challenges you're having right now and then you'll, you'll implement those things. If you do know that you're going to ramp up significantly, then plan for those things so that you don't kind of, you know, have inefficiencies in your developers and and have to wait until you then install those processes and tools to gain that that efficiency back and that speed on, on the path of production and that's you you mentioned if you had more developers so it's also it's not just custom code right it's also that all of this still relates to configuration and declarative um, changes are still deployed in the same way um, through these tools it's not a case of this is only done when you're writing apex or uh, or lightning web components or or whatnot it's um it's it's the same um case applies for you know multiple admins working on different sandboxes yeah that's correct um it's applicable for configuration and code so configuration of your objects lightning flows um any anything that you're using a, a mouse to, to point and click the development hours of uh as well as the apex classes and lwcs and the code spaces even dynamic forms my new favorite thing Excellent. So you, you've been in the ecosystem for a long time now. Uh, you've seen a lot, done a lot, and you're still incredibly passionate and I guess excited about the world of Salesforce and the ecosystem. So what keeps you excited? Look, I think that it, the ecosystem is definitely a very vi vibrant uh, and lively community. And we're fortunate that we're all here to help each other. And it doesn't matter if you're a newbie or someone who's been in the ecosystem for quite some time. We're genuinely happy to help and we genuinely like to see other people succeed and uh, and it's all about customer success so you know the better we are the better we make our customers and the salesforce vertical of it i think is uh, a leading vertical it's growing year on year and that gives a lot of opportunity for the trailblazer such as myself or the new newbie you know to really have a successful and vibrant career in the industry yeah nice nice well look thank you so much always a pleasure to have you on the show and uh, yeah i've enjoyed hearing more about the world of devops and, and i'm sure our listeners will too so uh, where where can they ask any questions if if they have any you can always look on linkedin find me on linkedin adam best there's not too many of us 
but yeah, always happy to help and uh, and answer any questions you may have. Thanks for having me, Ben. Thank you. All the best. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. Um, We're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible, and your reviews will help us do that.